Continuing the Rambam Morin of Uchim, we are on Volume 1, Chapter 34. Martin, in the edition that you have, we're going to start on page Nun. Okay, so yesterday we uh, introduced this topic of the five um, factors that make it very difficult to succeed in understanding the metaphysical reality of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we overviewed all five, and we did the first two. The first one being the difficulty of the material. The concepts are of metaphysics are difficult. And also, not everybody's mind is developed enough to understand these ideas. That was the second one. We move on to the third one. Third, well, so then scroll down. A little more, a little more, a little more. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. There we go. Sibashlishis. And you'll see this uh, third factor, the first two were fairly short. The third one is very long. And we're not going to even finish it today. And I'll let you think about it for a while. Why do you think the third one is so long? You won't know it until we go through the third one, but somewhere in the midst. It's so long, you have to do all that research before to understand what's going on. We said yesterday, no one has the attention span. Is that what that? We went long enough because that's the problem. <laughs> that's a cute answer. Okay, uh, but uh, the Rambam probably has a little more, a, okay. a deeper idea, but it's a good first answer. So, <laughs> that the preliminaries are very long. We have to know a lot of preliminaries. Because people do, by nature, have a desire for the end product. There's a lot of things in life you'd like to know, for sure. But most of the time, a person gets worn out on the way to them or pushes away all the introductions that are necessary. Vida. He's giving a theoretical concept here. He's saying, imagine a person would get to the end of the journey without making any efforts. This is something really hard. And you know, sometimes the person says, you know, I'd like to know all shots while I'm standing on one foot. If you could just like somehow just give me all of shots. Like that. Right? So... But if that, even if that would happen, he wouldn't have these introductions, but still, he would find it to all be so tiresome and superfluous anyway. In other words, if, even if it came so easy, it just, it just. It's, because it came so easy. Whatever, it's just, yeah, it's not worth it or whether, whether. I mean, I don't know why he has to say that. It just can't happen. But, uh, you know, you just say, oh, what do I need this for? Anybody, even the most foolish person, let's say we wake him up like you wake a sleeping person up. Does 
Don't you want to know about the heavens? Don't you want to know how many stars are out there? What's their forms? And what beings are in them? What are angels? And how was the world created in general? What's the ultimate goal at the end of all this? What's a soul? And how does it enter a body? And will the soul of the human being ever be independent? Be parade if it does. How and in what ways? And like any of these other investigative things. If you would ask a guy, wouldn't you like to know this? Hey, wouldn't you like to know this? For sure, for sure he'd like to know this. He would want them, he'd yearn for them, as any other thing he would naturally yearn for, because it's a fascinating idea. But he wants to satisfy that drive by you telling it in one or two words. Okay. So uh, that is the problem. Aval in Tachayvali's battle, may I suck a shvuah yomim kedei shiyavin los kolze? What do you tell me? You know, you'd have to give up a week from work, a week from pleasure, one week, and I can explain you how the world came into being. I can explain to you the whole purpose of life and everything. Lo yesokach, he would not be in favorite. He wouldn't do it. He'll be satisfied with his illusions of what he thinks it is, and that's it, which are false illusions. And he's going to push it off. If you're going to tell him it takes a lot of investigation, he's not going to be interested. So people, they, they want to know a lot of things, but they don't want to spend the time to know it. Just put it in my mind and give it to me for nothing, and I'll get it. Now, first of all, A, that's impossible, okay? And B, person doesn't want to give any any time for it at all, right? So right. it's not realistic. Coming from. You don't yes, that five-minute manager, 10-minute manager, uh, what do you call it for dummies, everything for dummies, get, get the whole thing. Right. This this is not the way it's meant to be done, and people just want everything very simply given over to them, and that is a major challenge. You know, it's like person said. A person uh, here's a simple example. A person says, "I don't believe in God. Why Holocaust? That's it. Oh, you're a genius. How long did it take you to think about that one? Right? Well, there could be no God if he allowed the Holocaust." Very good. So you spent how many uh, years coming up to that decision? Oh, it took, took me two minutes. Very simple. I'm a genius. Okay. Do you, you understand how stupid the guy is? Uh, if he would at least say, I spent five years examining every philosophy, this, he came out to that conclusion. Okay, at least the guy tried. But the guy saying, it's very simple. Very simple. God is good. According to you, God is good. How could he let six million die? Clearly, it, it, he's he's not good. So therefore, it's no God. Finished. Done. Now, if you'd say, if hey, so whenever you get that question, I say, either you're prepared to give me about 20 hours of your time, 
or let's not discuss the topic. And people do not want to spend 20 hours of time. They're satisfied coming to their stupid conclusions that does take a lot of effort, and they think they're very smart. Because they don't even want to believe in God. But, but it's not about belief there, Rabbi. It's more about they're, they're mad at God. Doesn't matter what they are. Doesn't matter what they are. They don't want to come. They don't want to come to the truth. There's a lot of reasons why a person doesn't want to come to the truth. But also, even if a person, if it would take, if it takes a lot, of, let's say it's not a Holocaust survivor. Right. I'm talking about Holocaust where you be mad at God. A regular teenager. Yeah. It's going to say there is no God. So how do you know? What information do you have? So it's very simple. I, I figure out. Oh, maybe it's a little deeper than that. No, they don't want to know. No, no, they they found it. That's why right. TikTok he doesn't exist. So, uh, <laughs> That's right. Can't be. So this becomes the issue at hand. Now, Martin, since you have the little book that you have in the Jew, you can look in footnote twenty-two as I speak it out. He says. Um, because of this laziness and people don't want to spend a lot of time, that's why, an effort, that's why they don't come to these conclusions. Now, uh, the f footnote here brings the words of the Rivid in an answer to the uh, Raza. And he says, how much sleep was I missing? How much food did I not eat? Well, I was busy learning Torah. Wow. Right? And Therefore, um, let's take it further. I don't know why this bring the Rambam himself. Oh my goodness. Do you understand how much the Rambam spent? You know what the Rambam accomplished in his life? How many books he wrote, everything. Even we're learning this safer. This is the last one. Yeah. You can imagine what this took. But if you and I'm sure you've all seen the famous letter he writes that what his schedule was like every day yeah. and he was like so exhausted they just throw him on top of the donkey to come yeah. home from the palace of the king and he was mamish knocked out he just eat a little bite for five ten minutes rest up a little and there's hundreds of jews waiting to get his medical advice and all these things the rambam really understood this third point and the rambam was the rambam i'm not saying the rambam wasn't a genius i don't know if he was a genius or not i don't know i didn't look into his brain but one thing's for sure, he really worked hard. Oh, yeah. That's no question about it. Went with almost no sleep, and he just kept plugging away, plugging away, plugging away, and going from one science to another science to another science, till he finally came to you know really incredible conclusions that he was able to do. So this could probably be why the Rambam spending so much time on this chapter, because this was the chapter that makes the difference. I mean, I imagine he had a fully developed brain, and he could handle difficult concepts. Uh, but the fact that he has spent so much time, that is what's the critical component over here. Now, if we're gonna just try to go to something a little bit different over here. So maybe here, uh, now I know what I'm looking for. That's just going down saying. So thanks to Mark, I will not sound like an ignoramus. And yes, we're gonna talk about Albert Camus, spelled Camus. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know why, if it's a silent U, you put an S, but that's with French. Of course, French, you don't ask any questions on the French because they know everything. No. Okay, so who is this guy? So he was a French existentialist, I believe you call that, who lived in the 1900s. And this just one, his, his focus most of his philosophy on existential questions 
the absurdity of life, the inevitable ending, death, is highlighted in his acts. He wrote plays, he wrote books, whatever. His belief was that the absurd, life being void of meaning, or man's inability to know what meaning, if it were to exist, was that something man should embrace. His anti-Christianity, his commitment to individual moral freedom and responsibility only a few of the similarities with other existential writers. Okay, then he talks about suicide. He didn't think suicide's a good idea. But the main point, where was the... Existence, what's, what's your existence about, right? But the main thing that he... His challenge was, and this is uh, what I see from Rav Toledano's work, and he brings him down in, in this idea, where he says, on the one hand, a person wants to know a lot, wants to know a lot by nature, not. The other hand, it's too hard to figure out anything. Mm. So, and 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 life just ends with death anyway. This world doesn't make, remember, he had no Torah. So what do you want from the guy? He just has his mind. He must have a pretty good mind. Yeah. So so you get this idea of absurdism, okay? Uh, it, it, the absurdity of the individual experience. Uh, the absurdness of being put into this world and nobody understands what's, what's going on, what the whole purpose of, you know, Thus, man's existence is absurd because his contingency finds no external justification. The absurd is created because man who is placed in an unintelligent universe realizes that human values are not founded on a solid extent component. Or as Camus himself explains, the assault, absurd is the result of the confrontation to human need and the unreasonable silence of the world. Even though absurdity is inescapable, uh, so, etc. So you see this idea that was disturbing these people they're trying to realize that you know what is the point of this world man so seeks to understand things and it just cannot be understood so what do you do and then all different things happen and then he writes a book called revolt uh, with all these things so it really this idea of not really wanting to make the effort to really understand things in their depths this is what results in people behaving the way they do and believing that life is just absurd. Just, you know, do, do what you do and, and that's it. And it, it's, it's, he feels it should be more. But uh, anyway, that's enough. We don't have to know everything about this guy. If you want to know more about it, you can read over there. But that's just one idea from that. Okay, now we go back to the Rambam. Okay, and we'll continue over here. Uh, okay, so this is the third thing. So now we have to get to the next point, is what are the prerequisites? He's saying there's so many prerequisites. So what are all these prerequisites that take so long to understand this? So we're in Va'ata Yodea, and you know, Shekol HaDvarim Halolo, all these... Uh, Things that we've listed, they're all connected one to another. Because really it's only existence, but Hashem and everything he creates. And that's included in everything beyond himself. In other words, we have Hashem, 
and everything else is from Hashem. Now, the ain't Shem Derech Lahasigo. So, how are you going to understand Hashem? Elade Masov, only from what he does, and they bring evidence to his existence. As the Rambam has said a number of times. Now, let's go now, uh, Mark, click to Mishnah Torah Foundations. Okay, and this is at Yesodia Torah. This is after he is discussing all the metaphysics and physics, etc., etc. So he says the following. When a person made, meditates on these matters, and it's, it's talking about like the physical world, like the stars and the sun and all that kind of stuff. Meditates on these matters and recognizes all the creations, the angels, the spheres, man and the like, and appreciates the wisdom of the Holy One, blessed be he and all these creations, he will add to his love for Hashem, his soul will thirst and his flesh will long with love for God, blessed be he. He will stand in awe and fear from his humble, lowly, and base nature when he compares himself to one of the great and holy bodies, let's say the sun, and much more so when comparing himself to the pure forms which are separate from matter, not shared in connection with, let's say, Malachim. He will see himself as a vessel full of embarrassment and shame, empty and lacking. That's all we need. So this part of the Rambam shows, if you look at the world, how it affects your character. What the Rambam over here is going to say is how it affects your prerequisite knowledge of the knowledge of Hashem. In other words, looking at the world on the one hand, you get you to love Hashem and to humble you. That's a very important thing. But the other, that's over there for you, Sodia Torah. But here in this book specifically, say, okay, you really want to understand some idea, the metaphysical reality of Hashem? Well, the only place you can start from is the physical reality that God created. And if we can totally understand the physics of the world that God creates, we at least have the first step because we know what God does. If you know what God does, then you have a chance of knowing what he, what he is to our limited ability to understand that. So that's what he's saying over there. So, okay. Uh, yep. And, uh, you know, what you need to grasp of God as it comes to man's consciousness from that. Klomar. Machayevlo. What things would we say positively would be attributed to God? And what is not attributed to God? Therefore, you definitely must look at the world the way it is. Okay? Exactly the way it is. In order to get from each and everything, so you can have true, um, what do you call it, introductions that are proper that will help you in our investigation of the metaphysical realities of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So now, what are some of these introductions? Again, we're talking, looking at the world. So what is part of all this? There are certain things you get from the nature of numbers, math, we'll say, for one. So that's an important thing. And the properties and figures that are geometric. Now, we're not going to go into this now, but if knowing a lot of geometry will help you understand that Hashem is one. 
if you understand really what the number one really means, we're not going to do any of this now. If you really understand what number one means, you really can understand what it means as one Hashem. And if you understand geometric figures, you'll understand. I didn't get that. Who did that? You said something I must have pressed something below. We just know the intelligence of Siri. She can't understand this. Okay, anyway, so if you know certain aspects of geometry, you'll understand what Hashem is not. That's what he's saying. We'll learn what to not uh, describe Hashem is. And will also teach us other negative aspects to not ascribe to Hashem. But on the other hand, But understanding aspects of astronomy and physics, Those things, first of all, I, I think there's no doubt these are very important things to recognize the relationship the world has with Hashem. And Hechi Be'emes, how it truly is, and lo ba'ofen dimyoni, and not in a way that's just with parables. So what he is referring to over here is, go to the right there, emanations. Okay, so you can scroll to the bottom, uh, scroll up, whatever, to the top. Again, so this is a emanation is from the whatever theory describing the origin of the material universe from a transcendental first principle. Now here is the question: How can you have a first being, whoever that is, God, whatever you call it, which is one, and have a world that is not one? That was their issue. How did they figure out? So the secular philosophers think of this too. So they come to this concept of emanation. According to this theory. The universe, which is multiple, is generated from the one, which is unitary, through the medium of a hierarchy of immaterial substances. The ultimate source is undiminished, while the beings which are emanated are progressively less perfect as they are further removed from the first principle. Okay? So and it gets basically in. they, they evolved, or what's happening? Well, it's, look, go down to in Jewish philosophy. Well, anyway, this is called theory of Plotinus, whatever, other... Goyim over there. The Hebrew terms used for emanation are atzilus, hishtalshalus, shefa. Okay? And and look where this, this is where the Rambam inter, uh, connects with this. The theory of emanation was known to medieval Arabic and Jewish philosophers from several sources. Plotinus was known from the theory of theology of Aristotle. So you're seeing that they're getting all these ideas. Scroll down more. Jewish philosophers relied on this. Uh, in medieval Arabic and Jewish Neo-Aristotelianism, the Neoplatonic theory of emanation was applied to Aristotelian Ptolemaic cosmology, which posits a series of nine concentric spheres encompassing the earth, each endowed with an intelligence, so to speak. Anyway, so this is this idea that he's saying uh, that, you know, at that time they thought the earth was in the middle, everything revolved around that. That was just from our vantage point. But what they were basically understanding, and this, there is a, a certain truth uh, to this type of science where you get the ultimate unity of God. You have to somehow explain where this world came from. So you got wherever that beginning is, and then it emanates into more complex, more complex, more complex, and it goes through these different um, constellations until it gets to planet Earth. 
Again, we're not going into the details here, but he's just saying, you gotta know all this stuff because that will help you to understand this. And again, certain parts from Aristotle, even though certain parts are not true, but certain parts are very true. And therefore, knowing this is an incredibly important source as well. Okay. Uh, where am I now? And there's a lot of other things. Do we got that now? I think go. Uh, keep going up, 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 up. Uh, let's see what happens. Yes, and there's other things to think in. Even though they're Introductions will not help us in science or in metaphysics. But they prime the mind to think. He, uh, the brain learns how to study methodically as they come into being. And they take away any confusion that can happen with most thoughts. When you're looking into things, they will mistakenly switch things that are accidental to essential. I'll explain what that means in a minute. And it comes from that is false ideas. Uh, Beyond what those things really are. What he means is like this. There's certain things you should learn that just even has nothing to do with metaphysics, but that kind of learning sharpens your mind, gives you a mature mind. Simple example, people will say, if a guy is in yeshiva for 10 years in Koilo, he can ace the LSATs. Yeah. And he'll be able to go to law school. Not, he, there's no drop of Canadian law, but his mind, the Gemara, shapes your mind to understand how to think logically and legally in the thing. So even though you don't know anything about Canadian law, but since you open up a law book, boom, you've got all the tools of the mind that can process it. So the same thing over here, we're going through certain intellectual processes that will help us understand exactly how to get to these uh, aspects over here. Okay. Uh, even though they're not fundamentals for metaphysics, but clearly... It's unescapable. There are other utilities to it, but that will bring us to metaphysics. Now, so now what do you got to do to prepare? What are the four main areas of pre- uh, uh, preambles to get to this t- learning is as follows. One, to first be good at developing your logical mind. To develop a logical mind. And then mathematical sciences, as is the order should be. And three, then the natural sciences. And then the divine scientists. Now, I, I just skipped one point, and we were saying, he says, you have to have a logical mind to understand the difference between accidental qualities and essential qualities. He's using Aristotelian language over here because every object either has has essential qualities 
or accidental or non-essential qualities. Just get a simple example. If you want to, the raw wool, what is that? Is that an ex, ex, uh, essential quality or an accidental quality? It's an essential quality. In other words, raw wool is soft and fluffy. Yeah. That's what it is. It's not by accident, that's what it is. Now what if it falls into a, a pot of blue dye? Now it's blue wool. Now is blue wool an essential quality or an accidental quality? Accidental. So in other words, you have to understand what thing really is or what it appears to be, but it's not really what it is. And that comes from a good, sound, logical mind. And when you're going to look at the universe, you got to know what's the essential universe and what is not that. So basically, we've got four steps. Each one is a long prerequisite. And people just don't have the patience and the time to deal with all those prerequisites. And that's why it's not going to happen so easily. Okay, we'll stop it here, and then we'll go to a fundamental difference in the Rambam and the Kusari become in terms of this rational approach of the Rambam. Okay.